Well, good morning. You're brave enough to show up here despite the weather forecast, right? I'm glad you're here. If you've got a worship folder, you can take out that now. There's some stuff that's going on in the church. There's a place to take notes and follow along with the message. So, you know, one thing, if you, if you ask somebody, like, how are you doing? And I won't do that now, but if I were to ask you how you're doing, probably one of two responses is coming back at you. Fine, good. Or how many people come back with, oh, I am so busy right now. Like, I'm crazy busy. Like, if I could clone myself and be in more places at once than I am now, I would do that. How many of you, like, get that response a lot from people around you or, or you find yourself saying that? It's just like a really busy time of life for a lot of us. Some of you guys are students here. You know what I'm talking about. Like, how many of you say, my teachers or professors don't realize that I have other classes other than theirs? Like, what is up with this, scheduling all this homework for this one class? Like, I have 16 hours of homework tonight. Do my teachers not think I want to eat supper or sleep? You know, apparently showering and changing clothes also became optional if I want to get all this done. Some of you, your parents, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you know that moment when it hits you that you have more places that your kids need to be at the same time than you have drivers to get them there? That moment we're like, how am I going to, who signed you up for soccer again? (laughs) Why why are we doing this to ourselves? Or, you know, you're a parent and you think, I finally got the kids off on the bus to school and I've got a couple of hours and then, ding, you get the text message. Left my folder at home. Can you bring it to the office? Uh. (laughs) Maybe it's your job that's making your life crazy. Uh, Author Kristen Race points out, going to work on Monday no longer means just going back to work. It means going to work in the office. Because you spent the entire weekend answering emails. Our smartphones make that so easy. And you're like, why do I feel like I didn't have a weekend? Because you didn't. You worked through it. <laughs> and then there's the, like the pull of social media. And you don't think that Facebook and things like that take a toll on your time. Just think about this. Research has shown that like 73% of all Americans are on a social media platform. If you have internet access, over 8 out of every 10 are on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or LinkedIn, or one of those things. And here's the thing that I found stunning. If you're on a social media platform, you're getting like 54,000 words a day thrown at you. You're getting like 450 minutes of video streamed towards you. This is a crazy amount of stuff. The average person spends 16 minutes out of every hour on social media. Some of you are like, I don't think that's true. And others, you're going like, lightweight. Only 16 hours on Facebook, 16 minutes of every hour. You know, maybe that's why we ought to just consider a little digital detox, a little analog interfacing where you make eye contact and actually speak words out loud to somebody else. I don't know. Anise Kavanaugh wrote an article for Inc. Magazine, and she's talked in this article like, what kind of an impact is busy having on us? And she said this, Anise Kavanaugh, she said, it's one of the biggest issues I see people bumping up against. Ask almost anyone how they're doing, and you're often greeted with, busy, OMG, I'm so busy. And she says, the energy of busy is killing us. Busy's become the new fine, a cultural badge of honor, a scapegoat for not getting a ton done. And she says it again, busy is killing us. I was reading the article, I'm like, Anise, are you like exaggerating a little bit? Busy is killing us? But stepping out of that article, I saw something that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention did. They studied 22 different studies that had already been done about work. And what they were looking at is what kind of an impact does it have on us when we say yes to overtime? You say, oh, I'll sign up for overtime, more money, great. 16 out of the 22 studies says it has a deleterious, has a horrible effect on you to say yes to overtime. People who work overtime have higher incidences of anxiety, depression, more illness, poorer health, and a higher mortality rate. Still want to say yes to the overtime now? (laughs) 
So back to Anise Kavanaugh's article, she said, you know, one of the things that creates stress in your life is not just being busy, but it's telling people that you're busy. So she said, stop saying you're busy when people ask you how you're doing. She suggested that you ought to start saying to people uh, when they ask you how you're doing, just say, I'm richly scheduled. <laughs> Somebody asks you to do something you can't do because you're too busy, you say, I'm already well used. Thank you, but I can't do that. I'm sorry, I don't see myself adopting that vocabulary <laughs> anytime soon. Like, Kirsten, my wife, like, honey, can you load the dishwasher? Sorry, Kirsten, I'm already well used. She'd be like, well, you better find an emergency room that's not richly scheduled because you're about to need it, buddy. <laughs> if, you, um, if you're in my generation, if you're a Gen Xer, or if you're a millennial, Gen X born like 64 to 82, or if you're, born, if you're a millennial born 82 and beyond, like, you'll find this fascinating. We are the most stressed generations ever. A uh, financial advisor named Tim Maurer said this or wrote this. He said, we're just overwhelmed with life. For Generation X, it's meetings, deals, prospects, kids, clients, spouses, teachers, sports, coaches, expenses, renovations, mortgages. Like, everything's peaking at the same time. Life is crushing us, while at the same time, life is passing us by. Can any of you relate to that? Even if you're a baby boomer or whatever, the silent generation, can you relate to that sense that, man, I'm just so busy and I'm not sure what I'm accomplishing here? So I just have to wonder, for us, what is all this busyness costing us? What kind of a toll is it taking on us to constantly have this frenetic activity and all these places and all these things that we're scheduling for ourselves and for our kids? And is it worth the price we're paying? Or do we need to maybe stop and realize it's not worth the bargain? What we get in the end is not worth what we've put into it and what we've given up. Maybe we need to come to a point and say, am I giving up something that's valuable, maybe even priceless, by all these things that I'm saying yes to in my schedule and in my life? What if we come to a point someday where we say, no, I just don't think it was worth it. What if you're at that point right now, you're looking and going, I'm kind of evaluating things, and I'm not sure that it is worth what I'm paying here. What do we do with that? And I don't want you to get to the point where you say, I don't like where I'm at and what I've got, and, and I believe something can be done about that. But when you get to that point where you realize that, that's the time to take action. When you realize, I'm not headed in the right direction. So a few weeks ago, uh, my daughter, my youngest daughter, Abby, and I, we were putting together some shelves for her bedroom. Abby is an awesome partner for anything. Both my daughters are. Working on anything, the car, putting stuff together, they're a great partner to have in that. So Abby and I were putting shelves together for her room, and we did it right. We got all the stuff out. We made sure it was all there. We checked the hardware. It was there. We got all the tools we would need before we started. We laid it all out. We had a plan. We had the instructions. And we went through. Step one, we did it. We checked it off. Step two, we, I mean, we were just nailing this thing. It was going so great. And we worked hard, and she worked hard. We, we went through supper. And as we're, we're like to the second to last step. And look at the diagram, and it's at the top of the shelf, and there's a, on the diagram, there's four holes straight across, and then there's a piece that's supposed to go in there. It's got four bolts sticking out in a straight line. It's supposed to just and then hook it in. And second to last step. And I'm looking at the diagram, and I look up at what we've got, and didn't look like four holes in a straight line. It looked more like this. I'm looking at the piece I've got, like, what am I supposed to do here? And bend it? What and then uh, suddenly the realization hit me. I had this feeling in my stomach. Oh, Abby, we put that middle piece on an upside down. And it wasn't like it was the step before this. No, this is like one of the first things that we put together. So, of course, we have to. And Abby's like, I'm just going to go eat supper, Dad. I'm like, undo all those steps that I'd done just so I could flip that one piece around and put that. 
you know, it's one thing when it shelves, but it's another thing when it's your life. And you realize I've taken all these steps in this direction, and now do I backtrack? What if I can't go back and reclaim some of that that I've lost? What do we do then? I just don't want you, Connection family, to get to a point where you realize, man, I'm just giving up way too much for what I've got in return. You mean you, you work all these hours or you put your kids in all these activities or you do all these things and you buy all these things with the goal of having a better life, but what if it's not really the life you wanted at the end of it? Can we avoid that? And if you feel like you're there right now, this is not a negative message at all. But like, this is the time where you say, what, what can I do from here forward to change that? Because you always have the opportunity to change right now. So the Bible gives us an excellent, excellent piece of advice about this. It's in the book or the letter, actually, of Ephesians. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. If you've got a smartphone with a Bible app, you can pull it up. Ephesians is a letter that a man named Paul wrote. Paul was a church planter, and he started a church in a city called Ephesus, and so that's why we call this letter the letter of Ephesians. It is a, a letter that Paul wrote to a church that he'd started, so he's writing to friends, people who owe their spiritual heritage to him. He's the one who told them about Jesus, and they became Christians. So he's writing this letter of Ephesians back to his friends in this church, and he gives them this really valuable piece of advice. This is in Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll have it up on the screen here in just a second, but just listen to this. Paul said, Hey, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. And he goes on, he says, friends, make the most of every opportunity that you have in these evil days. Be careful how you live. Can we leave that verse up there for a second? You see that word live in the first sentence? Paul didn't write in English. He didn't speak English 2,000 years ago. He wrote in Greek, and that word that we translate in English, live, it's actually a word we can translate into walk also. We just determine by context which word we use in English. But same kind of idea. Paul's saying, be careful how you live your life. Be careful how you walk your walk through your days. Either way, he's saying this is very important. You've got some choices to make. As you live your life, don't just mindlessly follow the ways of the people around you because these days are evil. So if you just do what everyone else is doing and go with the flow and live your life the way your neighbors are and everybody else, you're not going to like where you end up. He says, no, instead of that, you need to be wise and thoughtful as you live your life and walk your walk. And then he says, you've got some time that's been given to you by God. Make the most of that. Make the most of every opportunity. Be careful how you live. <laughs> I was at a friend's house several years ago, and I got out of the car, and I just walked right through the middle of his, his yard, his front yard, heading toward his front door. And about halfway across his yard, Mike comes to the front door. He says, hey, watch out for landmines. And I stopped immediately. You just have to know Mike. Mike's the kind of guy who could have been joking. Mike's the kind of guy who could have, literally could have also had military surplus Claymore set up. I mean. <laughs> and about a second later, I realized what he was talking about. Mike also has two dogs that are like the size of Clydesdales. <laughs> Apparently, I was walking through their restroom. So he said, watch out for landmines. You better believe from that point to his front door, I walked very carefully. In your life, because we live in evil times, foolish times, you need to be very thoughtful how you live your life. Don't just mindlessly go along with what everybody else says. This is success. This is the good life. You think about it. And you think about the hours and days that God has given you. How do you make the most of those? And if, even if you feel like you've wasted those that have come before, how do from this point forward, because none of us know how much time we have, but how much can you do from here forward to make the most of what God's given you? I want us to just not go along and just wish we hadn't done that. 
you know, this message series, now's a good time. It's all about that, stopping, first of all, to say, where am I? And then secondly, where am I going, and do I want to end up there? And maybe this is a good time to, to shift some things around. If you think, like, maybe my schedule is not working for me anymore. Maybe my priorities are not really the right ones. This is a good time to say, maybe I ought to hit reset on some of those and change some things. It cracks me up. So many people, when I talk to them, they talk, and I even catch myself talking like this sometimes, so I'm not judging, but, man, people act like things in their calendar are just, like, happen. Like, oh, it's just crazy. Like, you have no control over it. Like, like things appear in your schedule like a blizzard appears in St. Louis. Really, you understand who puts things in your schedule in your calendar, right? You have some measure of control over what you say yes and no to. These things don't just happen, and oh, this is what happens to me in my life. How do most of us put our schedules together? I don't know how you, I, I imagine you have a piece of paper or the equivalent of it, and you probably write down all the things that you have to do. Or you have a mental checklist, or you, you're like, I have to show up to work, or I don't have a job, and then we don't have money, and we don't have a house, so there's some things you got to do. you got to show up and pick your kids up from soccer practice, because you don't want DFS taking your kids away, because you've left them for two hours, and they're like kids standing there. There are certain things you just have to do, and you've you got all these things, and you write them down, and then everything else just kind of fits in around the things that you think you have to do, and you realize sometimes the things that I have to do this month, they're not always the most important things, but they're the most urgent things. And Lord, just help me get through the next 30 days. And then I'll change and I'll shift some things around. But then you get to the end of that 30 days and you just keep repeating that cycle. And the, the really urgent things end up crowding out all the things that really matter. And you repeat that over and over. Paul would say, hey, that's foolish. It's like everybody who doesn't know God lives that way. You need to start making the most of the opportunities that God has given you in your life. And don't let the urgent things crowd out the really important things in your life. Somebody once said, you can immediately what's, what's important to a person in three ways. And so if you want to know what's important to you, if I want to know what's important to me, you can look in three places. Look in somebody's checkbook. What do they spend their money on? Look in their calendar. What do they spend their time on? And look in their garage. What have they accumulated? It's how you can figure out what's most important to you already in this point in your life. What have I already in the last 30 days, in the last year, spent my money on? Look at your calendar. Where have I spent my time? And what have I accumulated? Now, you can say all you want, this is what's important to me. These are the people that are important to me. But then the reality check is, okay, where did you actually spend your money and your time and what did you accumulate? That's really the answer. Now, here's the great thing about this. That works in both directions. If you come to a conclusion of, like, I say this is important, but this is where I've actually done, you can also make something more important simply by spending money on it, spending time with it. Yeah. So in one way, this is, this is so powerful, you can increase the priority of someone or something simply by putting it into your schedule. It's so powerful. You can increase the priority of something or someone by putting them into your schedule. You may want to write that down. I think that's what Jesus was getting at when he taught this to people who follow him. This is in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, Jesus said this. He said, hey, don't worry. Don't, don't worry saying like, what are we going to eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. People who don't even know God think this way. But your heavenly father already knows what you need. So seek the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of heaven above all else. And live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need. And what Jesus is pointing out here is that, that 
just left to our own, let's just be honest, our lives don't gravitate toward the good all the time. Our lives will gravitate toward things that are just not that important. We will be tyrannized by things that are urgent. We will, just by default, give our energy and our attention and our commitment to things that maybe we shouldn't. And so he says, you have to be intentional about setting your priorities on the right things and set your energy there. If you make the the, the right things, the first priority, it's interesting how all the other things that you usually worry about fall into place. It's just Jesus talking here. So here's the takeaway for us today. You know, what if we just hit pause and did an inventory of our calendars and kind of looked at this and said, what am I seeing here and does it need to change? Because there's so much power in that, acknowledging where you're at and looking at where you want to go. There's a whole lot of stress in a whole lot of people's lives because we're just we're making the wrong things the first priority. And it's amazing what happens when you start shifting this around. And so if you want to hit reset and make the right things the most important things, like we want to see what did Jesus say to do about this. And we want to be a group of people who actually take Jesus seriously and do what he said. One of the first things Jesus said you ought to do is make God your first priority. If you want to fix things, make God your first priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of heaven. Create some God space in your life. I mean this literally. Literally put God in your schedule. In the middle of our crowded, overscheduled lives, make some God space in your life. Even Jesus did this. Son of God, God is his Father, Jesus did this. A great example of this is in Mark chapter 1. It says in Mark one thirty-five, very early in the morning, while it's still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house he was staying in. He went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And then eventually Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found them, they exclaimed, Everyone's looking for you, Jesus which is his life every day. Even Jesus had to like carve out space to be with his heavenly father. He's God in the flesh, and he had to make time to be with his heavenly father. He put God into his schedule. Before he ever went out and started preaching and teaching and healing people and just seeing people and all of their needs and letting them talk to him and being with them and blessing children, Jesus, first of all, said it's a priority that I'm with my heavenly father. He made that space before he did anything else. God was his first priority. And that's what you want to do. Why not later today pull out your calendar? If it's on your smartphone, if it's a Google calendar, if it's hanging on your wall, if it's sitting on your desk, literally pull out your calendar and every day make an appointment to be with God. You don't have to do it at zero dark 30 just because Jesus did. He was a morning person. That worked for him. If you're not a morning person, don't do that. I advise that strongly. Find the time of day that works for you, but write it down every day. I'm going to spend some time reading my Bible. I'm going to spend some time praying, just being with God. Jesus needed to do that. Who are we to say we don't need to do that? Just put it in there and then actually show up. Since I'm on the subject and why you have your calendar out, why don't you just go ahead and make 52 weekly appointments in there too? I'll show up to church every week. Yeah. Why not put church into your calendar every week? I was reading something Pastor Bill Hybels wrote about an experience he had. He's a pastor up in Chicago, a place called Willow Creek. And he said he was like one Sunday after one of the services, people were coming out. And he said like after the fourth or fifth person saying to him, man, I'm glad I came to church today. I was laying in bed thinking, should I go? Should I not? I would have missed this if I hadn't come. He said like the fifth guy said that to him and he knew the guy well enough to say, really? You were laying in bed flipping a coin about whether or not you're going to go to church? Put church in your calendar. You sh- this shouldn't even be a negotiable and by the way, if you are like new to church and you're here, I'm very glad you're here and this is not directed toward you. Just keep coming. But if you are a follower of Jesus, this is, should be something that you know. If I'm healthy and I'm in town, I'll be in church. And Jesus set the example himself that way. I mean, there was this 
There's a scripture in Luke that says this, Luke 4.16. On the Sabbath, which was the day of Jewish worship, Jesus went to the synagogue, the worship gathering, as was his custom. I love that. Jesus, like, went to church. It was his habit. It was his custom. It was in his calendar. It was important to him. If I'm healthy and I'm in town, I'll be with my fellow believers, worshiping God, learning, encouraging, doing what God's gifted me to do. It's important. Make it a part of your schedule. Now, Jesus said, make God your first priority, but there's something else he said. He said, you really in your life need to seek God's righteousness. And the way I would say it for this message is, it's important to alter your schedule to reflect your priorities. Your God-oriented priorities. You know, I, I, I got to wonder, what if we all started thinking a little bit differently? What if we stopped thinking, like, what do I have to do today? What do I have to do this week? What do I have to do this month? And what if we instead started thinking, like, what kind of a person do I want to be? Like, at the end of my life, when people start talking about me, or even now, like, how do I want them to know me? As Was I a good father, a loving husband? Was I a good person who grew to be more and more generous and loving and caring? Why not put that into your calendar? Instead of, like, what do I have to do today? I've got to go get the oil change. And what kind of a person do you want to be? How about altering your schedule to match that priority and the trajectory of your life as you want it to be? What do I have to do becomes, who do I want to be? You probably uh, recognize the name John Grisham. Written like what? I don't know how many books has he written now? He's like sold hundreds of millions of novels. You probably read one waiting for an airplane or something. And uh, he, he just illustrates the power of putting something in your schedule that you want to be. Because you may know John Grisham is the author. I don't know if you know this. John Grisham's a Christian, a very generous man, and loves Jesus. Something else you may or may not know, he wasn't always an author. He was an attorney who hated his job, didn't want to be an attorney. He actually wanted to be an author, so here's what he started doing. He started putting writing into his schedule. He would get up an hour early every day, earlier than he had to. He'd show up at his desk an hour early every day, and he said, for every day, I'm going to write for one hour. I'm going to come out of there with at least one page. Every day, one hour. Every day, I'm going to write a page. And that's eventually how he became an author. He just put it in his calendar. He showed up, and that's who he became. There's just such power in doing that. Put the most important things in your calendar. Put time with God in your calendar. Put your family in your calendar. Put your friends in there. If you've been around here a little while, you've heard this a lot, but I'll say it again. Get life group into your calendar or Bible study. This is important stuff. Get it in your calendar that you want to serve God somehow. Food pantry somewhere. Put it in your calendar. And here's the thing about this. Someone told me this several years ago, and I've never forgot this. The really important things in your life don't have deadlines attached to them, at least not immediate deadlines. And no one's going to come around and ask you, did you, did you spend time with your kids? Did you make it home for supper? Take your wife out on a date recently? These are the really important things. Put them in your schedule. Show up. There is always enough time in your day to get done all the things that God wants you to get done. There's never going to be enough time in your day to do all the things that everybody else wants you to do. You may want to write that down. There's, there's always enough time in your day to do what God wants you to do. There's never enough time to do everything everybody else thinks you should do. What if you put the really important stuff first? Let all the other stuff fit in around it as it would. Well, how would that change your life? How would that change the trajectory of your, your faith, your family? your future, 
heard a story, and I wish I had more details. It's a true story, but I don't have all the details, on, so I'm probably going to get some of this wrong. But there was a, a family serving as missionaries, I believe, in Africa. And it was one of those times where there was some political unrest, and the word came out from the American State Department, like, you know, you've got to evacuate. And it was so bad that, like, they're, like, saying, they're giving this airport and this field, this airstrip, and just get to this. And this family was contacted, and you've got to get out of the country, and they knew it was real, so... Uh, their time was like 4 in the morning at this airstrip, and they were given a specific weight. Like, you've got 500 pounds that you can bring on the plane with you. They've been in this country for a long time, so they had a lot of things. How would you do that in your house if you knew I can only take this much weight with me? How would you sift through everything to determine this is what we're going to take, this is where we're going to leave? And they've been in this country long enough. They're pulling out pictures and gifts that people have given them, and should we take these plates? They literally had scales, and they were, like, weighing everything down to the last ounce. And finally, it was time to head out, and it's still dark, head out to the airstrip. And they had these bags, these canvas duffel bags with their stuff. And they got to the place, and one of the military personnel, as they were walking up to the plane, said, what is that, pointing to their bags? And they had scales there by the plane. They said, well, this is the stuff, and you don't have to worry. We got it down to the ounce. He said, I don't think you understand. When we gave you that weight limit, that included your children. And in that moment that difficult decision that they agonized over all night suddenly had tremendous clarity brought to it. What are you going to take, right? It's easy to figure that out when, when you put it in those terms. I want you to spend some time thinking about what are my priorities and, and does my life, do my, my, my schedule and my, my checkbook and the things I've accumulated say that the things that I say are important really are important to me? And if it's not, hey, today is a great day to do something about that. And God is all about helping you take the next right step. In fact, can I invite you to stand up right now? And I want to pray for God's help as we do think about these things. Father, I thank you that you've brought us here today. And I'm very thankful that you are so patient with us. And you give us time and, and direction to figure things out. And I believe that maybe you brought some of us here today just to hear this. And i I'm asking you to give us wisdom to know what to say yes to and what to maybe prune. And uh, I pray that you would give us hearts that are soft and willing to change and repent. And uh, I pray you would just fill us with a sense of hope and optimism that no matter what maybe we have not done in the past, that today forward can be such a great changing time. I'm really thankful for what you're doing in, in my life, in my family's life, in this church's life. And it's very good to see that and... Uh, I just pray today that we would understand the love that you have for us, the love that you said, here's my son Jesus, and you gave him to us. Um, and you made us your priority. And um, I just pray, Father, that no one would walk out of here without saying yes to that love that you offer us. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.